Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, a week ago, I had a breakfast with one of my friends here from church, and one of the questions he asked me, we were talking, and he said, um, how does, what, what do you think, what's your response to, what does that phrase when the Lord Jesus Christ said, pick up your cross and daily follow me? What does that mean in our everyday life? How do we pick up his cross and pick up our cross and follow me? And it's a good question. It's one of those passages and scriptures that's well known and we, we recite often, we read and we talk about. What does it mean in our daily life? I got to thinking about that, and I, I said, well, I think for me, I think the word service and being a servant, the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I came, I came to serve and not be served. He was the suffering servant who gave his life uh, for us. And to me, that's the, the thought of picking up our cross and following him is to serve. A couple weeks or last month, Gary asked, what we're we going to be preaching on for a few weeks here because these guys were working on, working on the services. And I told him I'd like to have a couple of weeks to talk about stewardship. And I passed it on to you guys. And I, I just was amazed this morning as we sang these songs and the worship that they put together, the worship songs, the music they put together for us, how biblical and how accurate and True, which you guys had us sing this morning when we talk about stewardship. Our focus today is going to be on service. And when I look at these songs, you know, the everlasting God, there is a fountain. All my tears, when I survey the wondrous cross and then bringing us to the thought of Jesus being the center. And it is so important when we think about our service as believers in Jesus Christ, our stewardship that it begins with the cross at Calvary. And the music we've sung today um, really is the message already. As we start with the cross at Calvary and the price that was paid, this passage you guys read from First Peter, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might, endure, we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And when he says that, 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 that we are to Follow the example. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. And His steps led to the cross at Calvary. And the shed blood, which we proclaim and we make no apology for singing about a fountain filled with blood because it is the blood of Jesus Christ that is what cleanses us from our sins when we receive His gift of grace freely. And I encourage all of you, and I hope all of you have made that decision, to receive Jesus Christ, His sacrifice. He gave His life. He was the only perfect, holy sacrifice. Only God is holy, and only a holy sacrifice would pay for my sin. But only a human could take my place. And that's why Christ was the God-man, fully God, fully man without sin. And he went to the cross and shed his blood and was raised from the dead the third day. Hallelujah. Raised from the dead. 
so that we might have life. And we are called to follow His example as we have sung about this morning. And so to continue that thought, I'd like to ask you to turn to the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Chapter 24. (laughs) I understand last week I threw some of you off by asking you to turn to Ephesians 8. And uh, we got that worked out, right? Uh, There is no Ephesians 8. I'm I'm aware of that. Okay. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, and it's the longest narrative. It's actually the longest story narrative in Genesis. Of all the important accounts in Genesis, this is the longest single narrative of one account. And it's the story of a bride for Isaac. And this is going to be our focus this morning as we talk about serving the Lord, stewardship, walking in His footsteps, and following Him. Father, as we open Your Word, uh, my prayer is that uh, we, our hearts would be open to Your Word this morning. We would consider it. We would live by it. And we would be thankful that we have the privilege and freedom to come and freely open Your Word today. May we never take this for granted. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A bride, a wife for Isaac. Chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. Now, this particular account is going to provide us, not only is it the longest narrative, it's also going to provide us the transition from Abraham to Isaac. The story of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's sons who become the the tribes of Israel. Jacob is the, the father of Israel, hence they're called the children of Israel. And this story provides the transition because early in this story, we're going to transition from the servant we're going to look at, my master Abraham, to my master Isaac. And we're going to see this transition. In fact, as we read this in verses 6 through 8, we'll find the last words of Abraham that are recorded in Genesis. Isaac is the only patriarch who never leaves the promised land. He never leaves the promised land. He never leaves Israel, the land of Canaan, the land of Palestine. He never leaves this land as Abraham and Jacob and, of course, Joseph have to do. Abraham was now old. Uh, Sarah has died. His wife has died. He's well advanced in years. The Lord has blessed him in every way. And he said to the chief servant, or the steward in his house, in the old world, and even in the Gospels, you have all these parables that Jesus tells of the, of the house steward. That's really where we get oikonomia, uh, which we get our word economy from, which also we get our word dispensation from. It's the idea of stewardship. That a household had a chief steward who was the chief servant, and he ran the household. He was in charge of the household. He ran the household. And it says here that, that he, he came to his chief steward, his chief servant, who was one in charge of all that he had. And he said, quote, put your hand under my thigh. They're gonna, this is a, a, a way of making a promise uh, that you're going to swear an oath. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives, and get a wife 
for my son Isaac. This man is in charge of everything Abraham has. And he's also in charge of securing a wife for Isaac. Because the story is going to have to go on. Isaac's going to have to get married and Isaac's going to have to get children, have children for any of these promises made by God to Israel. The patriarchal promises are going to come to pass. There have to be children. So this man has a very important job. And Abraham says, do not get a wife from the Canaanite. You go back to my home country. Abraham came from Mesopotamia. He came from the Ur of Chaldees. He came up through Haran, down to the Promised Land. And every matriarch, all the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, all had to come from the, tri- from the, from the lineage of Shem. They were not to come from the land of Canaan. And so he says, you go, you go back to my homeland, back to my people, and I want you to find a wife. I want you to find a wife for my son. Well, that's, that's a pretty big task. It's a long journey. And there's a lot of women in Mesopotamia. And think about the logistics and the, and, and, and how do you go about doing this? How do you just go back and, Find a wife for somebody. How, how would you dads, you know, how would you feel? So just go find, go find a wife for my daughter. And it's an important wife. It's going to be the mother, the grandmother of the nation of Israel. Go find a wife. Go back to Mesopotamia and get a wife for my son Isaac. And I want us to focus a little bit on some important steps in our serving God. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ as we have sung this morning because of the blood shed for me, the price paid for me. And I am called, as we read in Peter, to walk in his footsteps, to serve him. And I want to bring some practical application from this lesson on serving God. And I want to give a little disclaimer up front that you might think, well, he's just talking about serving here at our church. Yes, this is important. And this is part of it. Uh, you're visiting some of you today, and I understand that. Um, you might be, this may be your first time here. Uh, you may, there are all sorts of areas of Christian service. I love the passage in Romans where Paul, chapter 12, goes through the, the gifts of the body of Christ. Because so often we think of the gifts simply as teaching, singing, administration. But Paul in Romans talks about generosity. There are those who are gifted in being generous. There is the gift of encouragement. People, and I, and, I, and I know people here who are gifted in being an encourager. They encourage me. It's their spiritual gift. There are people who are gifted in leadership. There are people who are gifted in service. And I just want to, I just, I do want to challenge you today that for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we are called to follow His steps and to serve Him out of love. And out of our devotion to Him and to what He has done for us. And so yes, there are many avenues in this church for service. Our children just left this room. And uh, as you know, and if you don't, I, I will tell you, we've made a very strong commitment to our children and our youth ministry at this church. It is, it is the heart and soul of what we do here. And it's the reason why we put so many resources into our children's ministry, into Vacation Bible Adventure, into camp, into youth work in the children's choir, into Awana and Pioneer Girls uh, basketball camp we ran this summer. That was a fun week, the basketball camp. It was a good week. 
um, about 21 junior high, a couple senior high kids here for our basketball camp. And every every week, every day, stop for devotions and interact with the, the young people. Um, we put a lot of resources. Yes, we do. And it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of resources. Uh, we have a strong missions program. Uh, we we try to have a strong outreach in our community. We we have uh, we've been pre- privileged this last year. It's been a great great year to host Shoreline Community Care, which is a ministry of the local churches in Shoreline. Pastors and leaders, what the pastors get together once a month in Shoreline from all the different churches. First meeting will be here in September at our church uh, at the second Thursday. And really, this is a ministry that came out of the Shoreline, one of the churches in Shoreline, and now is shared by the churches, and we host it here. And it's to meet, it's to meet people's needs. Uh, anybody that lives in Shoreline, and if you know, if you know people in Shoreline that are, that are in hard times financially, maybe, maybe that might be you, and if you need some help, they're able to help with utility bills, with food, with different needs that we can meet. And they, and they come and they interview with people. And four of the interviewers are from our church. That, that's a spiritual calling, a gift of leadership to take time and be able to come in twice a week or once a week and sit down and interview people and find out what their needs are. And in that process of interviewing, just the way you handle yourselves to share the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. It's not a typically evangelistic ministry. It's a healthy ministry, but it provides many opportunities to reach out with the love of Christ. Um, these are the kind of things. There are all sorts of opportunities and ministries for you to serve. First thing, verses 5 to 9. The servant... The servant asked him, the servant asked Abraham, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? I I would have asked that, wouldn't you? (laughs) That's a good question. Okay, I find a woman and she says, no way, I'm not going back. I'm not going to Canaan. I'm not going there. Shall I take your son back to the country you came from? Abraham says, make sure you do not take my son back there. No, he is not going back there. He is staying here. I mean, you remember the story of Isaac. Um, this is the son that Abraham just about killed, remember? When I say that, it's because he had his hand ready to slit his throat and offer him as a sacrifice, and the angel said, stop. Now I know you love you love God. God didn't intend, of course, for him to actually kill him. We know that from reading the story. But Abraham was going to do it. I mean, everything depends on this son. He says, no, he's not going anywhere. He is staying here. You go to Mesopotamia. You find a wife. But look at verse 7. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, who spoke to me and promised on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, you will be released from this oath of mine. Only, again, do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and he swore an oath. He swore an oath to Abraham concerning this matter. First principle. If you take a note, you can jot this down or put it in your bank here in your head. First principle. When it comes to serving the Lord, and maybe you're contemplating, how shall I use my spiritual gifts? How should I use my spirit? What should I do to serve the Lord? Number one, it's okay to ask questions. <laughs> it's okay to explore it. It's okay to ask people. It's okay to consider it. It's okay to give thought to it. 
this man, these were good questions. I think I would have asked these questions too. Well, what if she doesn't want to go with me? Then what do I do? Do I abduct her? Do I, you know, hostage? Or what, what do you want me to do? Should I take your son and introduce him so he, she can see what he's getting? Or, you know, what, what do I do? He asks good questions. These are good questions. Someone comes to you and says, you know, have you thought about serving? Have you thought about, have you thought about working with our children? Have you thought about working in this community? We have an outreach in our community. Um, we are putting food together, right? This, we started this last year as well. Uh, we, we have on Wednesday night a group of volunteers here get together and they put together food for kids at one of the particular schools, like all the churches. Again, it's the something that came out of our pastors, local pastors group, where we are putting lunches and food for kids to take home because there are many kids in Shoreline area in our community who receive food at school, but they go home and there's no food at home for the weekend. It's a difficult times. And so they've started a ministry where we partner with the schools and we put together bags of packages of food to send home with the children for the weekend. And we have one particular school and a group of children, a number that we are assigned to that some people here are doing. If someone came to you and said, would, would you be willing to help with this ministry? Would you be willing to help in Shoreline Community Care? Would you be willing to serve in our mission committee? Would you be, someone in the community asks, the Union Gospel Mission, would you be willing to come down and help us with this ministry? Number one, as you consider it, ask questions. Find out what's involved. That's not a lack of faith to, 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 to consider it and to get answers and to find out what, what is this? What am I doing? What's the end, what's the end result of this? Uh, who am I responsible to? What happens if, what if this doesn't go well? What, what's, what, what do I do? Ask questions. It's perfectly fine. And I would expect if I, if, if Susie came to you or you, or you filled out the form and, and said to Susie, yes, I'm, I'm, the Lord's put it on my heart to work in, in children's church this year. That's a real need in our children's church department during this time of service with our early childhood. And you've seen that in the bulletin. And, and, and if you wanted to, you, you should ask. And she would like you to come and ask. She would like you to talk to her and ask her, what's involved? What do you think? Is this something that would fit my, my giftedness, you think? Ask questions. Second thing, verse 10. And the servant took ten of his master's camels, ten camels, big animals, okay? He's got a lot of stuff to take with him. He's only bringing one lady back, but he's taking a lot of gifts with him. He took ten of his master's camel and he left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out from Aram Naharam and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Maybe some of you have been to Swanson's at uh, Christmas time and seen Curly the Camel. Maybe you've seen Curly the Camel. Yeah, Curly the Camel. He's a small camel, okay? Obviously, if he lives at Swanson's Nursery at Christmas time, he's not a really big camel. Um, he, he's up there every year. You should see, you should see Curly. Uh, I always think of my, my, I can remember as a child going to Woodland Park Zoo with my dad who smoked. Um, uh, his way of blowing the smoke, because he came from the island of Rhodes off the coast of Turkey where they had camel caravans at the store his father owned, and he could blow smoke in those, in those, 
camel's nostrils and just mesmerized me. I just, I just remember that Woodland Park Zoo, this camel, just like fixated with his head as my dad blew smoke into his nostrils. Um, so I have kind of an affinity for camels because I, because of my father. Took ten of these big camels. Long journey. And I just simply want to say this for part two. Number one, think about it. Think about where God would use you. Ask questions. Really, we should all be serving the Lord. Number two, get started. Go. Get started. Go ahead and start serving. Make a decision. I think it was Oswald Chambers who, in one of his devotions from his book, My Utmost for His Highest, which I've mentioned before, that I have Pastor Peterson's old copy. I think it's in his, where I read this, but in verse 27 is the whole devotion. Later on, um, the servant has, the servant gets to retell this story. One of the reasons why this chapter is so long, we have the whole story, and then he gets to retell the story to Laban and, and so forth. But in verse 27, as he's telling the story, it says, he says, well, this is, this is actually when he's, when he's, he's speaking to himself. I'm sorry. At this point in the story, he says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. So I've given the story away. It's going to work out. Okay. All right. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. In the King James and New King James, it says, I being on the way, the Lord has led me. And I like that translation. It does pick up a little of the nuances of the Hebrew verbs there. Because, and a whole, and I think it was Chambers who built this whole devotional on this. I being on the way. Meaning this. You have to start. You can wait forever. You can wait forever for God to make everything perfectly clear. But this man went. And on, I being on the way, the Lord was leading me. And so my message, my, my point here simply is this. You have to start. There are a lot of things, a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to maybe be afraid of, a lot of things, uh, a commitment. Yes, it is a commitment serving God. It is a commitment serving the Lord. But get started. Find what God would have you to do and start. You know, some of you are gifted in prayer. Somebody's praying right now as I'm speaking because we, we ask people to come and pray, just pray during the service. It's a gift. It's a ministry. It's a service. Listen, if you're here today and you say, well, you know what? Physically, maybe for a lot of other reasons, I just can't go somewhere and serve right now. Has God gifted you to be able to pray? Has God gifted you to be able to write notes of encouragement? Has God gifted you in generosity? You don't have to necessarily, you don't have to necessarily be available physically to be somewhere always to serve other than where God has placed you. Get started. Get started. I being on the way, the Lord led me. Ask questions. Find out what the Lord would have you to do. Get started. Get on the way. God will lead you. If the Lord calls you to it, 
God will never call you to something that He will not gift you or enable you to do. God does not work that way. He will gift you and enable you and empower you to do it if you're willing to get started and get on the way. And then verse 12 to 14. So this servant, and I don't, we don't know who this servant is. Some think it's Eliezer, but you know, this is, this is many years later. He would be a pretty old man if it's still him. It's not necessarily a relative of Abraham's. It could be a local from this area. We, we don't know who this man is. But he worships Abraham's God. Look what he says here. Verse 12. So, so he, so he, he's had the, he, the camels have kneeled down outside the town. He's made it with his ten camels all the way to, to somewhere in Mesopotamia. There's some different questions as to exactly which Haran and so on, but either way, he's up the Fertile Crescent. It's a long way away. Verse 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Show kindness to my master Abraham. See, Lord, look, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. It's it's in the evening, and culturally, what would happen at, at late in the evening? You know, this this is this is the Middle East. It's hot. It's Mesopotamia. It's kind of like you know. I mean, <clears throat> relatively speaking, the last few days were pretty hot, right? I mean, for us. Put that disclaimer. If any of you lived in the Midwest or Alabama or Florida, yes, I know it's not that hot, but you get acclimated. And it was so nice, wasn't it, in the last couple of evenings to, to just step outside in the evening where it's just nice and cool. And in the, in the heat of the Middle Eastern sun, these, these ladies, they would come to draw water in the evening, generally after six o'clock, to draw water for their families. And it was kind of a social gathering as well. It was kind of an evening coffee time, you know, if you know what I mean. This is culturally and socially what, what is happening here. He's there. He sits down. And he says, the ladies, they're coming out. And that's why he went to the well, because he knew that's where the ladies would come. He's there to find a wife, okay, for Isaac. And he knows that's where the ladies will be. So he sits down. And he prays to God. And he says, Lord... Verse 14, may it be when I say to a girl, this is an interesting plan, okay? And he doesn't ask God, what shall I do? He comes up with a plan, and he asks God's blessing. He's not asking really for a miracle. A miracle is something that defies physical science. He's not asking for a miracle. He's asking for God's help. So when I say, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and if the lady responds, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. An element of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, following in his footsteps. I know this is so obvious. It's so obvious, but it's simple. Pray. Somebody in our family, every time... We left their house. Don't forget to pray. And, oh, yeah, I know, I, I will. And then you go out and you forget to pray. It's so simple. But isn't it interesting that this servant, the servant of Abraham, the first thing he does, he gets there, he's made his plan, and he prays to God. He says, God, this is in your hands. And when you're serving the Lord, what did the Lord Jesus Christ do? We've talked about the blood of Jesus Christ today. 
What did Jesus Christ do before he shed his blood on the cross at Calvary? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He prayed in such agony, it says, that he actually sweat drops of blood. Physically, really. He was in such agony over what he was going to have to go through at the cross of Calvary that he prayed to God. He even prayed, Lord, if it be possible that this cup be taken away, let it be, but I know there's no other way. Pray. Part of our Christian service, friends, we should be praying. Those of you that are working with our teenagers, those of you that are working with our children, as we get ready for a new year in clubs and Sunday school, those who are working right now with our children, we encourage you to take time and to pray for each one of them. We had 21 kids here for basketball camp this summer for a week. And we take time to pray for each one of them. And Susie encourages when we have Vacation Bible Adventure and you have a small group to pray for each one of them. I thank God for the prayer warriors that prayed for me as a child and as a young person. The difficult path to navigate in life. Who prayed for you? Who's been praying for you? Who are you praying for? And this man is part of his service. This, this is a remarkable guy. This is a remarkable man. He has got this unbelievable task of going to another land and trying to find a wife for Isaac. And you don't want to make a mistake with this one. You know, you don't want to bring her back and Abraham says, ah, no, nah, sorry, not the one. You know? So he has a plan. And the plan is to pray and ask God's blessing. And, 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 and he puts this out there. He says, God, and, and this, this is what he's asking. He's asking, he says, I'm going to ask the woman, will you please give me a drink? I'll ask all sorts of women, give me a drink. And they'll give me a drink. But if one of them says yes, and I'll water your camels too. Listen, friends, a camel, having gone that distance, normally would drink. To be refreshed, remember they got lots of capacity, 20 to 25 gallons of water. How many camels? 10. A minimum of 200 gallons of water. Now that's kind of mind-boggling. How long would it take you to draw 200 gallons of water? Now whether she completed the whole task or not, this is what he's asking. This is why it's so unique. If one, if a woman comes up and says, yes, I'll give you a drink, that's one thing. That's, you know, drink of water is nothing. But you hang on while I spend the next several hours watering your ten camels. That's his plan. But he's prayed about it. And so, the story unfolds. Before he had finished praying, verse 15, God is so good. Before he finished praying, before he, he, while he's still praying and says amen, and he looks up, there's Rebecca. Rebecca. Rebecca comes out with her jar on her shoulder. One jar. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. It'd be something like a second cousin for Isaac, or twice removed. The girl was very beautiful. A virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring to fill her jar and she came up again. The servant hurried to meet her. Something about this girl. 
There's something about this girl that he 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 went right. That that might be her. He went right to her. He went. He there were a lot of there were a lot of ladies there. He goes right to her. And he says to her, "Please give me a little water from your jar. A little water. I just want a little water. Just a cup of water." And she says, "Drink, my lord." She said quickly and lowered the jar to her hand and gave him a drink. And after she gave him a drink, she said, "I'll draw water for your camels too." until they have finished drinking. 200 gallons maybe. So she quickly ran back to the well and drew more water and drew enough for his camels. Without saying the word, I like this, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. And when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca, Two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. This is a lot of gold, friends. This is like the Olympics, you know, all this stuff hanging there. This is a lot of gold. Then he said, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she answered, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. And the man bowed down, worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, I being on the way, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. Ask questions. Inquire. Find out what God would have you to do. Get started. Get started. Pray about it. Don't forget to pray. And know that you can trust God for the results. You may not see them. I don't know how many people I've talked to over my life that says, you know, there was a, there was a teacher, there was a leader back when I was a child, made such an impact on my life, they, then that, they never, they may never realize it. We bring, or Eugene, we bring Jean Berg to rides to church with us. And I've told her many times, her son Denny died, how many years ago, Gene? Ten years ago? Uh, 63 years old of cancer. Denny was my third grade counselor at camp. I wasn't even supposed to be at camp that year because my mom cooked, they let me come. I was supposed to start in fourth grade. He was my counselor. And it was that year I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ sitting in chapel watching Wynn Johnson do a flannel graph story. And all these years I still remember Denny Berg. He was a college student. He was so cool. <laughs> he was so cool. You know, just like some of you college guys are cool, you know. And uh, I'm not cool. I know that. But you guys, <laughs> he was cool. He was the, just, there was something about him that just, that just sort of, it just came out of his a godly man who loved God and loved us. And I always remember that. And what an impact. That year I accepted Christ. I can still see Denny and my counselor, Camp Gilead, up on the, right, I know right where my camp and what bunk I was in. And uh, I'm sure he never knew. Never probably gave much thought to it, what impact he may have had on my life. But you can trust God for the results. If you're willing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and respond to the shed blood of Jesus Christ by following in His footsteps and serving Him, He will 
give fruit in His time. It doesn't matter if you see it. It doesn't matter if 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 you know it's nice, but that's you're not you're not really what matters so much. Sorry, but I don't really matter. That it's God's work. It's God that matters. I matter to God. That's all that matters. I matter to God. That's what matters. Next thing. You need to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice is this man, this, you can take time to read this yourself. He retells the story himself. And he has to go through this whole story all over again when Laban comes out. And Laban sees, Laban sees the gold and the jewelry and the money and uh, this, this is good. We'll run into Laban later on with Jacob, right? This is a big deal for Laban. See? And, and so he, he's all for it. And the man tells the whole story over again. But I want you to notice how, how, focused, how focused he is on the goal. His goal is not to have a good time at Laban's house in Mesopotamia. His goal is to bring a wife of God's choosing back to Isaac. And as he retells the story... To Laban, in verse 50, Laban and Bethuel, Rebekah's mother, says, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you. One way or another, here's Rebekah. Take her. Go. Let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. But then later on, when he asks, he asks, he's ready to go. If you look at 54 at the end of it, they got up the next morning and he said, send me on my way to my master. And her brother, Rebecca's brother, and her mother said, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let the girl stay here for 10 days or so. Then you may go. Give us some time here. You know, we want some time to say goodbye. Um, you know what happened to Jacob when he hung around with Laban, right? 14 years, right? It's the same guy. This guy's pretty smart. He's pretty focused. This is a reasonable request. But he knows the situation. And he is focused on what God has him to do. And look what he says. No. He says, no, no. Verse 56. Do not detain me now that the Lord has granted me success in my journey. Send me on my way that I may go to my master. And he stayed focused on the goal of what God had called him to do. We as a church are trying to stay focused on our goal of lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, being faithful to His Word, and training youth and adults to love Him and to serve Him and to reach our world for Jesus Christ. And it's, you know, there's a lot of things that we can get involved in, and but we have a focus on this goal that we must stay with. We must stay with. And I want you to know as a church, we are committed to this goal. And we are, we are focused on this. When we gather to worship, our focus is Jesus Christ. It's not these guys. It's not our singing. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We are focused. And man, this guy was focused. This is a reasonable goal. And he says, no, no, I can't. No, we're going now. Go ask her. Go ask her. And they said, well, let us call the girl. Verse 57. And they asked her about it. And they called Rebecca. And Esther, will you go with this man? Now, let's think about this. I know, I know it's time to quit. We started five minutes late there. Just a second now. Think about this. This girl, who is evidently, you know, one of the most 
you know, she, she is, she is, they all, I'm sure all the men around have her eye on Rebecca. He is asking her to leave her home, travel all the way back to a place she has never been, with a man she doesn't know, and to go back there. But there is something about this lady, I think that her relationship with the God of Abraham, that she is sensitive. And they said, Rebecca, will you go? And she says, simply, I will go. Now they caught. I will go. And they left. And they sent Rebecca with this servant. And our last point is this, friends. When you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, look into it. Get started. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray for those you are serving. Trust God for the results. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. There will be a lot of diversions, and there will be a lot of people saying, why are you wasting your time doing that? Stay focused. Stick it out. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ with joy and with love. And the last thing I just want you to, I want to mention is this. This man gave all the glory to God. He gave all the glory to God. You know what's interesting? Longest chapter in Genesis. The longest narrative in Genesis of one story. And we don't even know the guy's name. We know Rebecca's nurse's name. She shows up later on in the story. We don't even know his name. We don't know what happened to him. When this story ends, he disappears. He's gone. He's not part of the Isaac story, as far as the written record. He's completely anonymous. Because that's not what matters. What matters is that he was a faithful servant to God. And God rewarded him. And I just simply ask you this today, friends. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, let us follow in his footsteps. If we call ourselves Christ ones, Christians, are we willing, because how much we love him and realize what he's done for us, are you willing to sacrifice, give your life to him, and to serve him, whatever it may be, whatever God has laid on your heart, I'm telling you, friends, there is a place for every single one of you. It might be in your own home, in your chair. I told you before about my father-in-law when when we we took apart their house after they died and found a chair downstairs and the wood wood hands, actually had Trainer's grandfather, had rivets in them. You know, when 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 we threw that chair out, I cut the arms off. The captain was momentum. There were rivets from him going like this when he prayed. He dug channels in that chair. <laughs> that was his service. What has God called you to? What will happen to this church? What will happen to our ministries? What will happen to our children and young people if you're not willing to pray, those of you who are called to pray? If you're not willing to give? If we're not willing to teach, what about this community and the people coming that come and have need if no one's willing to interview? 
and these children to go home and no one's willing to put these lunches together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one's willing to go out to the mission field. No one's willing to help partner with, with Myra in Cambodia and our friends in Laos who are working in a very dangerous situation. If we're not, if we're not willing to partner, if we'll not, who's going to do it? Somebody will. Somebody will. Let's follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's put ourselves second and put Him first. Let's give Him all the glory. And let's rejoice and rejoice in the fact that God has even deemed us worthy to be in His service because He loves us so much. And we have a wonderful song. You guys come on up to close our service with. These guys These guys have preached the message in the songs that they have brought us today. And this is our conclusion today. And this is the conclusion of my sermon today. And I, I humbly give this to you. I humbly give this to you and ask you to sing this from the heart to the Lord Jesus Christ today. You put your children and youth in our care. We want you to know we also teach them to serve. Susie's teaching some of our junior high people this week. Um, and training them so they can serve in our early childhood group uh, and serve faithfully. Listen, this is a busy time of year coming up, and if God has put in your heart at all that you would like to get involved with children or young people, call us. If God's put that in your heart, I'll tell you the greatest thing, if I come next Sunday and say seven or eight of you picked up the phone, called Susie, and said, you know what, I... I the future of our church and these children is so important. I'm willing to sacrifice, and, and I'd like to talk to you about this. I tell you, it would be a great, great thing, because we are gearing up for a wonderful year again. Amen? Amen. Amen? Father, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you. You loved us so much that Jesus Christ, God of gods, became a man and died for us and shed His blood and rose from the dead and has called us with joy and with privilege to walk in His footsteps and pick up our cross and to follow Him. Lord, may this church be known as a church that is willing to serve and follow You. I ask your blessing. Again, I just think of our little children right now and our grade school children and children's church and those working with them. Father, God bless them. Thank you so much for their willingness to invest in these lives. And Lord, we pray your blessing on us as we gather for our picnic and just a fun time and a good time today and just continue to rejoice in the name of our Savior, whom we love. Jesus Christ. Amen.